if you'd like to take your seats, that would be great. One minute goes really fast, doesn't it? So good to see you all here this morning. Today we're continuing our uh, adventure, if you like, through the book of Acts. And as I was preparing uh, for this series, I guess the first question that came to my mind is, why is the book called Acts? I mean, Matthew's called Matthew because Matthew wrote it. Corinthians is because it was to the church in Corinth. Why Acts? So I had a little look because I didn't know. The word Acts comes from the Greek word praxis, which was used widely in in, um, early Christian literature to describe the deeds or the great deeds of the apostles or the believers. So that kind of sums up the book, doesn't it? It's a um, series of episodes, if you like, of Christ's acts flowing through his Christ followers. See, up until now, the New Testament has been talking about um, Jesus, his miracles, his power, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. But Acts is where it transfers to talking about Jesus' power and miracles in and through his followers, just like you and me. So it's exciting. I'm really excited about this series. The book of Acts has a bit of everything in it. It's got suspense, it's got adventure, it's got murder, it's got espionage. It would have made a really good Netflix series, Acts, coming in 2019, I think. The only thing it lacks is a little bit of romance. Probably because a lot of the apostles were celibate, but you know, you'll have to go to uh, Song of Solomons for that. We're, we're, We're sticking with the book of Acts this morning. So, let's jump right in. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Let's just pause here for a moment. You know, sometimes we hear these stories so much, we kind of brush over the details. We might have heard them in Sunday school. You might have heard them over the years. But let's pause and read this. This man was lame from birth. He wasn't just on his way to the temple and got a cramp in his leg and sat down for some Gatorade. He he was lame from birth. He he had never walked before. So you got that? Let's continue. Verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter... He asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Wow. I think verse 4 is a key here. It says, Peter looked intently at the lame man. See, remember, Luke's already told us that this man was laid by the gate daily. So it's most likely that Peter and John passed that man multiple times before without stopping. So what was different? What happened this day? Well, the living Jesus did something in Peter. And when Peter said, I have nothing to give you but the name of Jesus, 
He was basically saying, today Jesus has given me the faith to exercise on your behalf and I now share this gift with you. Get up and walk. See, Peter understood that the name of Jesus represented the reality of Jesus, who Jesus was. And Peter knew that Jesus was the healer. So when Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk, he was saying, I am speaking the words, but Jesus is now healing you. Now, it's interesting to note here that the lame man was not exercising his own faith. He wasn't full of faith believing for this healing. He was actually expecting a few coins to help him survive another day. But Peter exercised his own faith in the name of Jesus on behalf of the man. And I love his confidence because it's obvious the man doesn't move. So he yanks him by the arm and says, get up and walk. And as he did, his ankles and his legs are healed. Now, I want you to, to really grasp this this morning. It's not just some Sunday school story here. It's not just some Sunday school song, even though it was in my top 10 Sunday school songs when I was growing up. Anyone remember? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then we'd all go walking and leaping around the Sunday school room. We, we were ahead of our, our days back then. But it is the miraculous power of God on display right in front of them. The same power that is available to each one of us today. And the guy's reaction is priceless. Let's read it in, chap in um, chapter 3, verse 8. Just like we did in Sunday school, he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. I love that. He went into the temple with him. See, this is a guy who'd been on the outer all his life. He was basically an outcast. He had to wait outside the temple. He couldn't actually walk into the temple. But because Peter and John listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit and believed in the name of Jesus on behalf of this man, he got to walk up right alongside them into church as such. So I'm wondering who in my life, who in your life is perhaps sitting there waiting, just waiting for us to actually see them, for us to actually stop and to offer them the hope that we have been given in the name of Jesus. And as we read on, we see the ripple effect that this miracle has, because a miracle always has a ripple effect. Let's read on verse 9. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed, rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? Skip down to verse 16. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. 
I love that in verse 12. Peter saw his opportunity. Peter saw his opportunity. He not only saw his opportunity, but he took his opportunity with both hands. And don't you love his opening question? He says, why are you all so surprised? Hello, this is our God. This is our mighty God, the God of Israel, the God of all gods, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the God of the impossible. Why are you all so surprised? And then he makes it really, really clear that it's nothing to do with his power. It's nothing to do with his goodness or his godliness, but it's all to do with Jesus and faith in the name of Jesus. It kind of takes the pressure off when I read that. It's like when I'm praying for someone, I, I don't have to stress it. Oh, I didn't read my Bible this morning. Oh, I, I wasn't very nice to Aaron yesterday. Never happens, but, you know, it's nothing to do with my goodness or my godliness, but my trust in the name of Jesus, who is the all-powerful, perfect God. You see, Peter and John... They were witnesses of an amazing miracle. Years before, they had, not years before, not long ago, they had witnessed the miraculous resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, they had seen their Savior crucified. With their own eyes, they saw him die on the cross. They saw him buried in a tomb, and a stone rolled up against that tomb. And then they saw him risen from the dead. They touched him. They walked with him. They talked with him. They were witnesses to an incredible miracle. And now they were participants in that same power. If you are a Christ follower here this morning, if you follow Jesus, if you call Jesus your Lord, then you too are witnesses of an incredible miracle. You know what that miracle is? The miracle on the inside of you. Your life has been transformed from hopelessness to hope, from lack of purpose to purpose, from death to life, from darkness to light. You are witnesses of an incredible miracle and you are participants in that same power because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Are you excited about that this morning? I am. You know what? Because the power of Jesus did not die with Jesus but it lives with the risen Jesus and it lives with whoever calls upon the name of Jesus. So we too can pray in the name of Jesus. We can pray for people who are sick and see them healed. We can pray for people who are suffering from anxiety and depression and see them set free. We can pray for people who are trapped in addiction and see that bondage broken. We too can pray for people whose marriages are failing, whose relationships are struggling, and see God move miraculously in their lives. Because we too are carriers of the name of Jesus and all that that name represents. Who in your life, who in your life is waiting for you to exercise your faith in the name of Jesus on their behalf? Now, I'm not saying that every person that I've ever prayed for has been instantly healed. I don't know why. I don't understand everything. I don't have to because I'm not God. But this thing, this one truth I do know is Jesus is our healer. And I know that Jesus said in John chapter 4, he said, you have not because you ask not. So I think why not ask and trust God for the rest because he is Lord.
So Peter continues his message. Remember, he's taken his opportunity. He's continued his message, and he kind of slaps his listeners around a little bit now. It gets a little bit nasty, and he says, well, really, you guys, you Jewish people, are ultimately responsible for rejecting and crucifying Jesus, because they were. The same Jesus that you're going, oh, is amazing now, you crucified. But he said, it actually didn't matter. Because God had already purposed in his sovereign will to use that opposition, to use that rejection, to use that hatred, to use that for his glory. You see, he had already prophesied through his, through his prophets years before that Jesus would die, that he would suffer, that he would bear the sins of many, and that he would rise again and defeat death and hell. You see, so it didn't matter. It didn't matter that you did that because God is bigger than that. And that there is the sovereignty of God. Now, you might say, well, that's a big word and a big concept, but really, in its simplest form, sovereignty means God is in control. God is never helpless. God is never hopeless. God is never at his wit's end as to what to do. God is able to do whatever he chooses to do. And you know what? In Jesus, God's sovereignty is the safest most secure place you can be because God is completely good and completely in control. So we can trust him and trust his divine will. So there we have it. Episode three, if you like, in a nutshell. We've had this amazing wonder and this amazing word. And the two work together. They're kind of interrelated, like a symbiotic relationship you see, because we had this amazing wonder of the healing of the lame man, which attracted the crowd to hear the word. And then the wonder confirmed or proved the truth of the living Jesus in the word. See how they work together, and they still do today. So when we speak the word of God boldly, trusting Jesus' name, we can trust him to back his word up with signs and wonders. It says so. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4, it says this, And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. I love that. Whenever he chose, there's the sovereignty of God again. He is the giver of gifts, but he gives them. Now, if this was a Netflix episode, I think I watch too much Netflix, but anyway, if it was a Netflix episode, this is where the twister comes in. This is where the twist in the plot comes in. Let's read on in chapter 4, 1 to 3. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, preaching this amazing word, remember, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. Peter and John do this amazing wonder. They preach a cracker of the word, as Aaron would say. But not everyone is cheering. Not everyone is celebrating. Not everyone is leaping and praising. Not everyone welcomed the message of hope that they were trafficking. See, the religious leaders were fearful because the message of grace and hope that Peter and John were speaking of was polar opposites to their religious law-bound 
word that they were propagating. See, sometimes as hope traffickers, we may be called to embrace opposition, even expect criticism for the sake of the gospel. Now, we might not be thrown in jail or tortured, but there are people around the world that that's happening to right now. But we might be ostracized. We might be not as popular at school or at uni or in our workplace as we'd like to be. We might be, suffer some rejection or criticism. Are we willing to embrace that, to see the message of hope reach all humanity? Now, you've got to read on to see the result of this persecution. It's quite amazing. Acts 4, verse 4. But many of the people who heard the message believed it. So the number of believers, I think it's written differently, so the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000 men and women and children. How incredible is that? While Peter and John are in jail, the word continues to grow and flourish because Isaiah had already said, grass can wither, flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. As Josh already said, the word of God will not return void, but it always accomplishes that which God purposes. So overnight, the word that the disciples had spoken, like a seed, was planted in the heart of the people. Holy Spirit came and watered, and God reaped a harvest. What an incredible miracle. 5,000 plus men and women. I don't know why they didn't count the women and children, but anyway. <laughs> Won't go there. Then the next day, Remember, Peter and John are in jail while this is happening. And the next day, they called before the council and the religious leaders and are, and are asked to give an account for their actions. They're asked to defend their actions. But of course, they don't defend their actions. They take another opportunity to speak about Jesus. Let's read in Acts 4, 7 to 9. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, that's a key, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? And then Peter goes on to explain once again that it was power in the name of Jesus. And then he gives them the gospel message in verse 12. He says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's obvious here that despite the threat of opposition, despite the threat of punishment or even death, there is no way Peter or John are going to water down one bit of the gospel message. There is the gospel right there. There is salvation in no one else but Jesus. The unadulterated gospel message right there. Then we'll read on and see the response of their accusers, the very ones that had arrested Peter and John. Verse 13, the members of the council were amazed, were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They could see they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, but they had been with Jesus. See, Peter and John were not going to let their lack of qualifications, their lack of Bible college, if you like, to stop them from being hope traffickers. 
because they had seen and heard with their own eyes and their own ears the hope, the power, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I wonder, I just wonder if there's people here this morning that feel unqualified for what God has called you to be. You feel unqualified to be hope traffickers. You, you say to God, well, I, I, don't, I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. I, I don't know an, as many Bible verses as they do. I, I haven't been to Bible college. I guess the question is, are we going to let God work in and through us despite our weaknesses to show how big he is? I wonder... I wonder if when people encounter us, wherever we are, at school, at uni, playgroup, sporting club, shopping centre, wherever we are, do people recognise us as having been with Jesus? Now, they might not articulate it in that way, but it might sound something like this. Gee, there's something different about them. How come they don't enter into the, the workplace gossip how come they, they, they genuinely care about people? That they're, they're merciful, they're gracious, they're kind. They recognize us as having been with Jesus. So back to, back to the story. This, this council, these, these religious leaders are just, they've got their knickers in a knot, if you like, as to what to do with Peter and John. Because they're thinking, well, the, there's no denying the wonder, because the the crippled man's standing now. He's, he's right there with them. They can't deny that. They can't deny the boldness and the power of the word preached because people's lives are being changed and people are, are believing this message of hope. So they think, well, the only thing we can do is call them in and, and command them to stop speaking. So this is what they do in verse 19, Acts chapter 4. They say, but Peter and John replied... Oh, sorry, they, they've asked them to stop speaking. And this is Peter and John's reply. Do you think God wants us to obey you? rather than him. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God. How cool is that? Don't you love that? I love their response. We cannot stop telling everything we have seen and heard. See, Peter and John were compelled to speak about what they had seen and heard. Are we compelled? Are we compelled to, to speak about what we have seen and heard? The, the story of transformation that's happened on the inside of us. So the story continues and, and they, they release them because they had no choice but to, to release them. And, and the apostles go back to, to where the believers are gathered and they tell them what's happened and then they all pray. Listen to their prayer. Just did something weird there, so I'll just find out where I am. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the holy name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. I think, I'm sure, if I was there that day in that prayer meeting, my prayer would have sounded something like this. Oh, God, protect me. Watch over me. Help me. Look after my family. Don't let them get hurt. I probably would have. 
but they pray for more boldness, more power, more opportunities, more Holy Spirit. And look at the result. Holy Spirit comes afresh, fills them with boldness, with power, and the place shakes. I don't know about you this morning, but I want more. Is there anyone here that would say, I want more. I want more of this that I read in the Bible. More of Jesus, more Holy Spirit, more boldness, more power. Then Luke, the writer of Acts, wraps up this episode with one final wonder. A wondrous act of generosity. Verse 32, all the believers were united in heart and mind. A bit like us here today, I'm trusting. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. That's miraculous generosity, isn't it? It's what Andrew talked about in the, in the giving message. And this expression of generosity, it actually dovetails beautifully with the story that we began with this morning, the healing of the lame man. You see, those supernatural occurrences, if you like, happened out of natural actions, everyday life. Peter and John were simply on their way to the temple as they did every day, three o'clock for the prayer service. And they encountered a man, they stopped and they gave generously of what they had because they had been with Jesus. So too with us. We don't have to be super spiritual, weirdo, wacko Christians. We don't have to have been to Bible college. We don't have to know everything, but we have to have been with Jesus. And then we live out our everyday life wherever we are. And when we encounter someone in need, we stop and we give what we have generously because we have been with Jesus. That's the message of hope. We are hope traffickers. You know, this week, I really, really feel like I want to encourage you, as well as myself included here, to ask God for the name of one person, one person who might be sitting as such waiting to hear the message of hope. Ask God for the name of that one person and then ask God for an opportunity. Don't ask it if you don't want it. Ask God for an opportunity. Now, that opportunity might look different for everybody. It might mean actually stopping and praying and being bold enough to, to exercise your faith on behalf of someone that might not even believe. It might mean inviting someone for a coffee it might mean inviting someone to church tonight. It might mean, hey, come with me to connect group. Whatever it is, ask God for that and ask God for that opportunity and be obedient to what he asks you to do. And you know what? That's all you have to do because then you trust that God will back up his word with signs and wonders. Because really the book of Acts is still being written. It's probably series 2020 or something. But the difference is that we are the characters in the story now. How will our story read? How will our story unfold? Would you pray with me now? Father God... Thank you that you are truly the God of the miraculous. You are truly the God of the impossible. 
You are the God that is able to do whatever you choose to do. And you are completely good this morning and you are completely in control. Therefore, we can trust you. We can trust you to only do good in our lives and bring good into our lives. And we just surrender to you this morning. We say, yes, you are sovereign. You are God. You are Lord. And we trust in you this morning. And we ask for more of you, God, this morning. We cry out, hungry hearts, fill us afresh. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh with the boldness, with the power that we need to be hope traffickers in this world. Oh God, come by your Holy Spirit right now. With your eyes closed, I just want to speak to anyone here this morning. First of all, I want to say you're not here by accident. You are not here by accident. You are here because God wanted you here this morning. And I want to speak to anyone here this morning that you might feel a bit like that guy did outside the gate and, and you felt like no one has actually stopped and, and shared the message of hope with you, given you an opportunity to respond to that message of hope. Well, I want to be that person for you this morning. I want to tell you that God loves you so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you so that you might enter into relationship with God. And all you have to do is say, yes, Jesus, I want you, Jesus. I want you in my life. So I'm going to ask in a moment for you to raise your hand if you want to make that decision, take that opportunity this morning. And we're not going to embarrass you in any way. We just want to pray all together in a moment. So I'm going to look right now. Is there anyone here that would say yes to Jesus this morning? Awesome. That's so exciting. Anybody else? I don't want to rush this moment because it's the most important decision you'll ever make. Awesome. There's one person here that said yes to Jesus this morning. How exciting is that? Let, let's pray together. Oh, Father God, pray after me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for taking my sin. Thank you for taking my guilt to my past. And I ask you to come into my life right now. I want to follow you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live my life with you. In Jesus' name, amen.